Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the 50th episode of the Swiftcast. Coming up on this episode. Course news, Swifters. Not only do we have a new course, we have a new, new course. Two new maps are inbound. We discuss. Zwift power is down, a victim of GDPR. Racing is suffering. What's next and when's it going to happen? We try to get some answers. Rachel Elliott is slowly recovering from the catastrophic stroke earlier this year that prompted a massive outpouring of support from the Zwift community. I've got a big catch up with her. And with Eurobike looming, how is the promised smart bike revolution shaping up? Slowly and a bit lumpy looks like the answer. A big chat with Shane on this. And here he indeed is, all the way from Victoria, Australia, in the Upside Down. 50 episodes, Shane. How did that happen? G'day, mate, by the way. Uh, Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. I have no idea how 50 episodes happened. I'm feeling a lot older, though, than uh, episode number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's probably undoubtedly and chronologically true. And uh, yo, dude, Nathan Guerra, I've said that 50 times now. People have actually now stopped finally, uh, finally stopped taking the mickey. How's it going, dude? It's going really well. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. It doesn't feel like 50 episodes for some reason. We just um, have kept on uh, trucking on, it seems like, here. And um, I don't know, it, it's kind of uh, sentimental, though, to hear it. I like that. It's pretty cool. Well, 50, you know, we, we like round numbers, don't we? Everyone likes a round number. I was doing a session last yesterday. Actually, I was doing the Australian uh, HDR yesterday, Shane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, had to quit. I had to quit before the end, but obviously I had to quit on a round number. Um, we do get a bit uh, a bit obsessional about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's kick off with some uh, Zwifty news on courses. Um, now, we knew we were getting a one new course. That was the one we were talking about back at the, um, well, all the way back at the back end of uh, 2017, actually. What we didn't know then was that we were getting two new courses because that was announced a few days ago well actually it was one new course that was announced a few days ago but for people to keep count which is people like us that is two new courses that are coming reasonably soon so let's talk about the new new course first which is Innsbruck home uh, in Austria home to the world championships which take place at the end of September and that means unlike the new course we pretty much know when it will arrive because it has to be before the world champs so I'm guessing something like the first week of August, maybe even a bit earlier. It's hilly, we know that. Um, Shane, it's another UCI course like uh, Richmond, which I like, by the way, always have done, though it's fair to say I'm in a minority there. Um, Good move to hitch the Zwift wagon to the UCI horse again, do you think? Yeah, I I think so, but I need to request just the one thing, though, with this new UCI course, just one thing. Go on. We need need bidirectional riding. We need that U-turn, because... That, that's all That's all I need because like all the other courses, except one, we can do U-turns and if we miss that sprint, we can just sort of turn around and do it again or if we miss that hill climb or we want to do hill repeats, we need bidirectional riding. I think that's a must-have. Um, as for selecting the UCI, yeah, I guess it makes sense, but I'm not sure all Zwifters are, as all Zwifters are diehard race fans. Um, so I think the Tour de France might be more iconic. So what I'm hoping for is let's have a Tour de France day up the Alpe de Zwift where they populate it with a million people and flares and people getting their um, saddlebags hacked, you know, hooked up on handlebars and putting people on the ground. You know, we, we want that. So I, I'm hoping for more of a Tour de France style event, maybe sooner. But look, uh, more courses, more horses, all fun. Yeah, yeah. You missed out the the, um, the people in very strange costumes and mankinis. Uh, 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 that, little, <laughs> that little pen portrait of the Tour de France. Why do people do that? My favourite ever, ever, ever runner alongside cyclists uh, in the Tour, which I, I generally disprove of, actually. I don't like runners alongside cyclists. But there was one dude who was carrying uh, what they call in France uh, a sanglier, which is a, a wild boar. It was a stuff. <laughs> Stuffed wild boar. This guy was obviously semi-naked because they always are, isn't it? But what, I mean, why? I mean, why do people sit at home and I like, think, of, what is the most stupid thing I can possibly think to carry next to a cyclist? Anyway, this this guy came up with a with a wild boar. It was hilarious. Um, Nathan um, Hilly. 
the the new course, the, sorry, the new new course is going to be hilly because Innsbruck's a hilly kind of a place. Um, I think Shane's request for, for for turns is entirely reasonable. What would you like to see? A hundred percent on the turnaround there. I'm wondering how they're. I'm assuming they're just going to do the lap, right? So it's six laps plus one long lap at the end. There, there's a there's a lead in of 84k. So I'm assuming it's just the six lap short one. Maybe maybe it's a long one. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it looks like there's three climbs in there. It looks like the climbs might be a little more spread out, uh, perhaps, than what we saw with the, uh, you know, triple hitter coming at you right in a roll on Richmond. But uh, it it looks, again, like a race course, obviously. It's a world's course. And um, I think it's going to cause... Um, a lot of events to see some high participation. I think that we're also going to have a lot of uh, competitive spirit out in the open world riding because of it. So I'm excited for it. Anything that brings in UCI race courses is going to bring great terrain and experience, I think, for the riders to uh, push each other and themselves on something that all the pros are riding. I, the interesting thing for me is going to be comparing the the, the new Hang on, is it the new course? Yeah, it's the new new course. (laughs) Comparing the Innsbruck course with Richmond in terms of how far the kind of art uh, and tech of course design has come on at Swift, which brings us on to the new course. Uh, This was the one we were talking about uh, way back. Um, I've got a bit of a, it's not really a confession, uh, a minor disclosure here. I've seen it. And it is unbelievably good and incredibly visually spectacular. Um, and I think it's nearly, nearly ready. But I, but I think they've taken a, a, a call not to launch a new course in June, uh, the Northern Hemisphere Midsummer, which I can kind of understand, even if, even if it is nearly ready. Um, Shane, do you agree on that? Are you slightly, <laughs> slightly biased by your uh, geographical position? Because of course it's it's it's, it's, it's uh, midwinter and high trainer season for you guys there. Well, you're asking the question on winter solstice here, so we have the least daylight hours in the entire year. Uh, yeah, I'd love a new course right about now on Zwift to ride around. But look, uh, yeah, look as long as we've got U-turns, I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nathan, do you, I mean, June, it's probably not the best time to, to, to bring in new toys out, is it? I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I do think that that means autumn or fall, as you guys say, is, is going to be super busy. I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of new stuff then. Doubling up like that real quickly uh, might not be the um, best thing for the plan is maybe what they're thinking. You know, I, I know on the horizon, we also have Zwift Academy coming up too and so perhaps maybe with that on the horizon too and wanting to do some things with that i don't know maybe that has something to do with it uh plus with innsbruck and putting turning up the uh the heat i think a little bit on the dev side of things and really wanting to get that right and you were talking about a little bit about graphics and you were talking about like the look of it i think innsbruck looks to be in the middle of some mountains and kind of like a natural looking region i i don't know if it's going to look a lot like what richmond did with a lot of buildings they might be adding a lot more nature in there and stuff and i have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of work put into innsbruck and i don't think you'd want to fall short on a world's course either you know what i mean where we got to just get it out there so that might have some, have more to do with it than anything else so no i think you're right on that i've, I've been to innsbruck actually uh, only in winter and and it is it's in a kind of bowl surrounded by mountains in fact coming into land at innsbruck airport it's, it's kind of a bit freaky, actually, because there's mountains all round. And you kind of drop over one peak and you feel like the wingtips are, uh, on either side of the plane are going to touch the mountains. It's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite an interesting airport to land in. Um, OK, well, uh, do you know what? Here's the next feature kind of puts into perspective uh, things like impatience about, about new courses and puts pretty much everything else into perspective as well, actually. Um, as many, many listeners will know, the renowned racer, a huge swifter and all-round good person, Rachel Elliott, suffered a, a catastrophic stroke earlier this year. Ironically, while swifting, though her cycling had nothing whatever to do with her stroke, and in fact the doctors told Rachel that her fitness pretty much saved her life, the, the, the actual survival rate from the type of stroke she had was horribly, horribly low. Um, 
uh, Rachel's been recovering slowly because that's how you recover from a stroke. And I caught up with her just yesterday, actually, to find out how things were going. It's a bit of a longer feature than normal, this, but I, I really do think it's worth the time devoted to it. Here's Rachel. Um, Rachel, first and most important question, how are you? Well... I'm mixed, I think. I, I, I perhaps give give a false impression online. I, I give very positive posts and, and how I'm doing very well. But in reality, it's it's actually quite a bit different. And I made quite a quick recovery in hospital um, in the month after my stroke. But since then, I've actually stalled in my recovery. So, so my sight hasn't really improved now for three months. And I'm beginning to come to terms with the fact that I'm, I am going to be saddled with a with a disability. Um, I, I have been struggling, actually, to be to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think anybody would be in the least surprised to hear that at all, Rachel. I mean, just uh, summarise if you can now. Things I, I guess have sort of settled down a bit. Although everybody knows, I think that recovery from stroke is a, such a long process. But I mean, what 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 will your new life look like? Do you think? I mean, it, it sounds as though the sight issue may may be may be permanent. Yes, I, I mean, I've been told now that my eyes are not likely to improve any more than they have. So, what I've been left with is something called paranoid syndrome or dorsal midbrain syndrome, and it means that my eyes have basically become locked down. So they look downwards all the time. Um, and I've still got my double vision, so I'm having to wear um, either an opaque contact lens or an eye patch to stop the double vision. So I can't look upwards, um, and I'm, it's very difficult indeed to track left to right. So reading, for example, is now very difficult for me, and I've lost a lot of my visual field. So that's unlikely to improve. Um, so I will be left with that, unfortunately. But it's not the end of the world, and I am you know, able to see, but it's just difficult. So I'm walking around now with a white stick, for example. Um, I'm going to get a guide dog, hopefully quite soon. I've got my guide dog assessment next month. So there are ways of getting around it. And and still, I'm counting my blessings being here. Of course. Yeah. And you you have to look at the big picture. But that 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 is quite a, a large adaptation you're you're going to have to make. I mean, people are going to be obviously interested because it was such a big part of your life. And to see those pictures of you on the on the tandem were, were, were joyful. But, I mean, will you be able to ride a bike again? I can ride a tandem again. So um, I'm, I, I can't see, so I'm limited in the same way I would be driving. I, I, I can't see to ride a bike. I can't look forward and it's, it's just not safe. I could ride a bike. I've I've got some weakness still in my left side. It's not horrific, but I've, I've got some weakness. Um, but it's, it just wouldn't be sensible for me to go out on a bike. Um, again, in the long run, when my eyes have got settled to it, I, I may be able to ride my sort of sit-up-and-beg type Brompton bike. Um, but certainly, I can't ever see myself time-trialling again as a solo rider. I, I just can't see that happening, unfortunately. I mean, lo- looking forward, though, and I'm sure people have said this, and they'll probably say it for all the right reasons. I mean, the, the, the tandem scene, uh, particularly for people who've got a disability, I mean, it's absolutely huge. I mean, uh, there's a, a friend of mine, actually, um, on the kind of put something back thing, um, uh, is, is a pilot for people with, with disabilities um, on tandems, and he absolutely loves it. Um, and, and that... that that's probably a in the fullness of time must 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 be something that you're looking at with with something approaching excitement and uh, and hope I would think. Yes, it is. I mean, there is the tandem scene, and I'm, I'm certainly sort of keeping that on the back burner, if you like. There's there's actually the sort of British Paralympic scene um, who've who've shown an interest. So I, I am definitely keeping that on the back burner, but certainly for now, um, I'm, I'm I, I I just want to ride and and. I, I will definitely ride tandems for fun. There's a great charity near here who've got a, a stock of tandems and they take out visually impaired people. Um, so I'm probably going to get involved in that group. Um, so it, it's going to be fun and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and cycling is definitely going to continue to be a massive part of my life. And I still struggle to have a day when I don't get on Zwift, <laughs> even if some days it's really difficult. I mean, Zwift must at this point in your life come into its own. At the moment, it's it's sort of one of the constants in my life. My life's really turned upside down, and it, pretty much everything's changed. But the one thing, one of the one things that hasn't, is Zwift. So 
I'm not doing anywhere near as much as I used to. I used to do, you know, three, four hours a day on Zwift, but now it's more sort of one, two hours a day. Um, and um, I'm not going above zone two. I'm, I'm sort of plodding out these rides. And some days I absolutely hate it and I just want to, you know, throw the iPad out of the window. I feel so awful. But it does give me a grounding and it and it really helps with the recovery and just seeing people on there and I get a lot of shout outs now I get ride-ons streaming when I start start any ride and it's, it's great to see that and it does it really is helping both mentally and physically with my recovery. Gosh blimey what's a big change in your life tell us about the guide dog. In the United Kingdom um, guide dogs are a pretty major thing for visually impaired or, or um, blind people so um I was quite surprised that when the guide dog lady phoned me, I didn't think I'd be entitled to a guide dog because obviously I have got some vision. But I met with her and she said, actually said I'd be a perfect candidate for a guide dog, um, which I think is would be absolutely brilliant for me. I, I, I live on my own and I do struggle to get about. And a guide dog would really help me doing that. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And, and they do great work. I mean, there's 5,000 guide dogs in the UK and I'll be... I'll be one of those what I consider very lucky people to be getting one. Uh, no, guide dogs are a, a, an absolutely wonderful thing. I mean, not only in, in the way that they aid you in day-to-day life, but the companionship and the relationship that visually impaired people develop with guide dogs is something incredibly special, I, I understand. Yes, it is. And I, I, I love animals. I've never had a dog before. I've always been more of a, a cat person, but I can't really have a guide cat. So uh, <laughs> so a, a guide dog, I think, will be wonderful for me. And as you say, the, the companionship that that will bring will be really fantastic. What about what about work, Rachel? I think you'll remember I, I turned down the Swift Academy so I could stay with my company. And, and that now is is um, the karma's coming back to me. And they've been absolutely fantastic. I couldn't wish for a better employer. Um, I, I've been on full pay for four months. Um, and I have had an assessment now with occupational health. So I'm going to be looking to be going back, starting to go back within a couple of months. Um, um, but I'm, I'm hopefully going to be doing work which will involve more face-to-face contact and more talking. So um, hopefully it'll be a more exciting job for me and, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back now. I feel I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready mentally to go back, but I'm, I just have an awful lot of appointments still that I have to go to, health appointments. So it's, it's, it's a balance of the two. But, but just to get some semblance of normality back, even though your old life is clearly never coming back in the way it was, that, that, must, be, that must be pretty important to you. It is, and I think uh, the, one of the reasons I'm, I'm struggling mentally, I think, is is the lack of routine, and I'm having a lot of appointments. I don't I'm, every day is different, and I don't really know where I am one day to another. So, and it, it'll be great to go back, and and I'm actually quite lucky. Um, the head of marketing in our company is totally blind herself, so she's met so she's met up with me a few times, and it's it's really good to have somebody like that there who can help me through the minefield of you know going back to work as a visually impaired person so so she's my role model so I've got somebody to look up to even as a, a visually impaired person so that's really good well, that's really good to hear Rachel now uh, Glenn Knight of Zwift Power fame uh, while Zwift Power is temporarily down and we're talking about that later in the Zwiftcast actually um, is uh, helping you to coordinate uh, some charity fundraising I think on behalf of the Stroke Association, who've been um, very, very helpful to you. And, and I also know Glenn has been uh, a great friend to you during this difficult period. But um, he's putting his energies into into a bit of fundraising, which is centred around Glenn's ride in the real-life PRL um, Prudential Ride London event. We started by getting a lot of personal donations through a, through a Just Giving page, and that's still going on. And Zwift are very kindly... Um, donated a year's subscription to the person who guesses Glenn's time up Box Hill in the real ride London to the to the most accurate number. Um, so people who are donating on that page are putting their guest times in in their donations. In addition to this, as you say, he's also getting a jersey and he's getting companies to sponsor the jersey. You're one of them. <laughs> um, so there's a number of companies that have donated. Well, well I'll tell you what, Rachel, just, just give us the full list of sponsors. We've got um, Scott, the bike company, yourself, Swiftcast, Titanium Health, which is the, the, the brain, it's, it's Titanium Geeks company, Drag to Zero, um, and they're my own racing team. 
Pedal Power Jersey, which is Russ Crowder's um, bike shop. And they, they kindly also donated those wonderful pedals that I had on my bike in hospital. Um, ITI, which is a, an IT company, Westgate Property Management and Pally Gap, which is a cycling products distributor. So they've all donated to this jersey and it's, it's really brilliant to have them all on there. So, so thank you to all those companies. It's, it's, it's absolutely massive. We should also thank Callas Sportswear, who sponsored the jersey as well as making it. Probably worth reminding people at this point that if you do want to get involved in that um, fundraising efforts on behalf of the Stroke Association, the easiest way to do it is just Google what's for Rachel. And Rachel, remember, is spelt R-A-C-H-A-E-L. When you often donate to a charity, when you donate to a big charity, you often wonder quite where the funds are going. <laughs> um, I know I felt that in the past. I, I do like to donate, but you donate to a charity, you donate to somebody who's just giving and you you know you put 30 quid in and you think, where, where's that going? Um, and you never actually find out. But I've had first-hand experience of the Stroke Association and what they do. They actually provided all the literature, which I got my information from when I was in hospital, they had a representative in the hospital who was speaking to patients and helping them. Um, and they've really helped myself and my family and my friends to get the information they need. Um, and they, they do a great job spreading awareness as well. It's going to be a, a big thing just, just seeing that stroke jersey go down the mouth. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, quite, quite an emotional experience, I think. <laughs> God, Rachel, I, I feel like I could I could, you know, talk to you for forever. I mean, um, you know, you. I think I said this last time. You, you know, you still sound like the old Rachel, and uh, you know, I, I can imagine this is a very, very difficult journey for you. But and I'm sure you have your low moments, but you sound like you're getting through it pretty well to me. On the uh, overall, given, given the the impact it's had on your life, which is huge. Yes, I mean, I'm trying to get through it. Through it, and I, I'd like to think mentally, I, I am the same person. I, I. I I do get very down and, and I think the mental aspect is something which is perhaps not really considered to a lot of people who, who know stroke victims. Um, so I, I have very low moments and it is my, my closest friends who, who see those. And, um, and I really want to thank them because they've been there to pick up the pieces when I have been low. So whilst everyone is you know, seeing this happy, positive Rachel, and generally I am that it, I, I do get very low and, um, and I, I really still appreciate the massive support on, from the community. Um, I think every day when I'm on there, I get a shout out from somebody on Zwift. And, and these messages all give me such a huge boost. And, and it's been a massive part of the healing process for me. And I, I couldn't be more grateful. So, so thank you so much to everyone. Goodness me. I mean, there but for the grace of God, really. Just back on that feature, Simon. I um, Look, I'll admit at the moment, I'm, I'm super busy in the lead up to Eurobike and, and you've given us that little clip to play before recording the Zwiftcast. And typically I multitask and I'm switching windows and doing other things and listening and sort of I about two minutes into that, I stopped everything and I rewound to the start and just sat there and listened to that. That was an amazingly raw, honest brave um insert many other words here that just describe that little clip um and the little uh, feature there from rachel that was absolutely brilliant and uh it wasn't sugar-coated either we've seen that as she said online um you know she keeps things positive as we all do we like to you know succeed in uh, in public and fail in private but she sort of i guess gave us a little window there that she's human like we all are um so it was quite strangely inspiring for me as well that someone's gone through such hardship but her outlook is so good but she was so honest about it so yeah, that was. I just sat there for the, the whole twelve minutes and just sort of, yeah. And um, my wife was listening as well, Vaughn. So um, yeah, even we, we both just sat there, just amazed at the story. So one thing that did echo though, um, Rachel did post this on one of the forums uh, a while back on the public forums uh, of Zwift that twelve months ago she was worried about um, upholding her reputation in her next performance in a time trial, and this year she's worried about just you know the next day and what's coming. I think we can all relate to that as athletes that, you know, we hinge our uh, everything that we do on our last performance, our last training ride and all that. And I think this is a bit of a realization. Even what I got from this is I used to do exactly that for my time trials as well. If I had a bad day, I was a bad rider and I felt like a bad person. But I, I, listening to Rachel's uh, description of what she's going through and what she's looking forward to, that all the, um, and I'm, I guess my message to her would be, 
she's the accumulation of everything she has achieved to date. All those race results, the champion time trial or tested that she you know, was in the past, she'll always be that champion time trial. It's an accumulation of everything she is, not just what happens. And her current state of where she's at, that doesn't define who she is. As we've heard there, she's brilliant. And, uh, cognition is brilliant. It's perfect. It was a great discussion there and open and honest. Um, anyway, sorry, that's just my personal take on that. I just wanted to add that in. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said that, Shane. Really, and and I think that's such a good point. Actually, I mean, uh, there, there's a, 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 a time trial, a legendary time trial. Actually, she's often in magazine articles. She's often called the the best athlete you've never heard of, and and that's um, Beryl Burton, uh, who, who just. I mean, you know, if you've never heard of Beryl Burton, just Google Beryl Burton. She, effectively, she won everything. She just won everything for years and years and years and years. Um, uh, time trialist and and um, Rachel in the record books. Her name is on the same page as Beryl Burton, and and as you say, you know, I'm literally on the same page. You know, I mean, the, you know, those results sheets, those in tiny type that <laughs> that time trials uh, specialise in. You know, she, uh, you know, her name is literally on the literally on the same page as Beryl Burton, and she will she will always have that. Um, Nathan, I wasn't going to sort of get dwell on it and get maudling about that interview because I'm sure Rachel wouldn't like that, but it was very affecting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't, I'm not, it's good because I'm not sure that we all knew either where things stood and how she was doing. And we see the Watts for Rachel uh, hashtag still. What I like to hear a ton and came out of that was the community that she's able to connect to though too and how I understand 100% also like the frustration of like well not 100% in the same way but the, the, I've been injured Lindsay's been injured obviously and has stopped racing as well recently and has had after effects of a concussion and the frustration um getting online and sometimes feeling like you can't do what you want what you were able to do before and 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 you, I really felt that in the moment listening to that about like uh, but at the same time, on the on the flip side of it, she was talking about this community that's there that's always able to check in and something that, that feels the same. I thought that was really cool what she said, that, that everything has changed except for this has been pretty consistent. And we kind of look for those um, those markers in our life for consistency uh, and I, I um, and, and reliability, you know what I mean, about what, what she – who she is as an athlete and she can still express that in some sort of way um, in – uh, in cycling through Zwift, I'm actually looking forward to if she's able to get involved into some tandem riding and racing because we got going 30 to 35 miles per hour on some flats on not that great of a tandem with me and Lindsay on there. I mean, so I, I, I'm excited. Okay, well, a notice on uh, Shram's website caught my eye. Uh, caught my eye the other day. Now, many indoor riders will be familiar with the um, uh, lamented, now unfortunately, CompuTrainer brand. Uh, sadly, the company went bust. I think it was about a year ago. But lots of these trainers survive in the wild, not least because they were built like tanks. Um, and CompuTrainer were actually real pioneers in the indoor cycling field, though their hardware was always better than their software. Anyway, this is where it gets interesting. Shram has bought the company behind CompuTrainer, including, you'd think, all its intellectual property. Now, Shram, as well as making group sets and owning Zwip, uh, Zip, the wheels brand, also owned Quark, the power meter pioneer. So put power meter technology and expertise together with CompuTrainer's designs and SRAM's manufacturing muscle, uh, and what you get? Well, I'm thinking what you might get is a new entrance in the trainer manufacturer field, maybe even in the smart bike field. Um, Shane, am I right, or is this two and two making 196? Hmm. I don't know on this one. It's uh, it's an interesting one. A little known fact is the kicker exists because CompuTrainer didn't want to uh, allow, well, the CEO and owner of uh, Wahoo to build an Ant Plus module and to, you know, take the CompuTrainer into the future. So that's why uh, Chip started Wahoo and we have Wahoo kickers. Um, so whether their technology is even worth anything, I'm not quite sure. There might be some patents behind it that might be into it. Um, more than the hardware itself. Um, not quite sure. Haven't looked at the documentation, but that sort of makes more sense to me than just buying the the technology, which is a dime a dozen at the moment. Everybody knows how a how a smart trainer works and can design one. But look, as for the smart bike concept, it's been much much talked about. Companies are throwing darts, but no one has even hit the dartboard yet. 
So we shall see. Well, we're we're going to talk a, a little more uh, about in detail, a little more about about, about that in, in a moment or two, actually. But uh, Nathan, I mean, you know, Shramano Fools, they must have seen something in what remained of Computrainer that was attractive to them. Uh, they're an American company; they do a lot of manufacturing in the states. I, I guess if they did go into this market, it would sort of balance things up a bit. I mean. It's kind of dominated by Europeans, uh, not totally, but you know, tax and elite are, are, are big noises. They're European. Wahoo is American, but even they build abroad. Do you, would this be a good move? Do you think if it happened? So I'd be really excited about Cork being one of the most accurate. They're very much about precision, and uh, they're one of the best power meters out there. And if the same precision comes to the table. Uh, I, I, am really a big proponent of smart trainers that are exact, um, in their power measurement. So, and I have a feeling they would bring that same, uh, preciseness to it, to the floor. You know, um, you know, copy trainer at least has a hardwired connection. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. like maybe we can get that going on here. You know, I had a little, another little joke about the live events and if there's a new tech there and they get the USB extender that goes right to the trainer and they go, where do they plug this in? <laughs> And, they, and you look at them and they go, it doesn't plug in. They go, uh, thinking, what? Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't plug in. So you put the USB thing just closer and then don't plug it in? Wait a second. So so anyways, at least they got that going for them, plus Quark on the back end. I don't really understand, though, to be honest, um, what the purchase of CopyTrainer brings to the table for, for SRAM. Maybe it, it's not working. It's manufacturing connections, you know, all the um, – the uh, OEM stuff that could happen in the background. But, uh, you know, anytime SRAM's up to something, they do pretty well on it. Um, so, uh, and Quark as well. So I'm excited to see what comes out. Well, like I say, they must have seen something that they, they thought was was worth paying for. And maybe we'll find out uh, more at Eurobike, which uh, we're, Shane and I are definitely heading to in a couple of weeks. But let's let's stick with tech um, in a bit more detail. Shane, and, and this is on smart bikes, really, and this, this will become a thing, I think, at, at Eurobike. But you finally got an Atom, the smart bike offering from Wattbike, British manufacturer, the other week, and put it through the Llama Lab. Now, we're going to go into this in some depth, but um, just give me, as a prelude, I'm going to play a little excerpt from your uh, excellent YouTube video, but as a prelude to that, just give me your uh, verdict on the Atom in three words, please. Oh, not quite there. How's that? <laughs> and now Very I'm in good. trouble. Very good. Well, no, I think you're in trouble already, actually. And here's one of the reasons. <laughs> here's one of the reasons you might be in trouble. Uh, this is uh, uh, Shane's fantastic 26-minute video, um, reduced in size by about 90%, but with the main bits in it. Here it is. Today, the Watt Bike Atom Smart Bike. Not the first time I've looked at one of these units, but the first time I've got it here in the Llama Lab to put it through its paces. Typically, on a sprint. You'll ready yourself up or you'll see someone go and you'll just jump out of the saddle super fast, grab some gears, and as you push that pedal stroke over, you know that gear's clicked down, and then the next like gem of the pedals, it's maximum force, maximum go. It's just how it operates. That's how we race outside, that's how we ride outside. Using a Watt Bike Atom didn't quite work like that. What I experienced with the Watt Bike Atom is I would almost spin out on the sprint first before that resistance kicked in. Here's my talk through of what I experienced up Watopia Wall with the Watt Bike Atom. Here's the jump acceleration from just riding up the hill. So it's gonna be snap out of the saddle, grabbing a handful of gears and trying to put time in them around the corner. And here's the jump. I'm grabbing gears, grabbing gears. Still spinning out. No changing gears. Nothing. I slow down and I get a bucket load of resistance here. You can hear it moving around, changing resistance. Even though I'm not changing gears, it's changing that simulated gradient. So simulated 7%, I've just spun out. Simulated 0%, it kicks back in. I can't get my head around now, now we're almost spiral of death. Now there's a, a bit of a learning curve to how this operates in. Well, it's meant to be sim mode, but I think what's going on here, there's some kind of erg mode with gearing happening. 
Don't quite know what's happening under the hood, but it's not the same as the others. Uh, unimpressed Shane, and, and I can see why. I mean, I can, I, you know, anybody, well, everybody really needs to go and watch that video, and you can, you can absolutely see why. I mean, they're just, as you said, it's not quite there, is it? They, 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 they just, well, they, they've got it right in a number of areas, but they haven't got it right for the Zwift experience. That's the key part there. My expectations are probably a little different than what they sort of sat down in a boardroom and designed this uh, equipment around. But at the end of the day, we're still being sold the experience that I expected. And that wasn't really what I uh, what I had. And, you know, that's not the only training you, you've kind of put through the ringer recently. I know Techno Gym didn't do well with you. Jet Black didn't do well with you. And, and both, frankly, got what sounded you know, like a fair crack of the whip. I mean, you know, people want to know whether these things are fit for purpose, good for Zwift, which is what an awful lot of people will use them for. And with indoor riders about to be kind of bombarded by what we expect to be an extremely busy Eurobike for indoor riding uh, and all the reviews and media that will flow from that, I just think it's worth exploring this a, a bit more now. And I do think people will be interested, particularly in, in, in what you say, Shane. You know, I mean, after something like the Atom, you know, in the in the kind of back channels, uh, you've got them com with companies, I've got them with companies, I'm sure Nathan's got them with companies. But in those back channels, after after you've given somebody a hard time, justifiably, in, in, in every case, I think, um, do you get angry emails? Uh, it comes in three categories. If there's a, a non pleasant review i guess or one they're not expecting um, most of the times i give a company a heads up with the issues that i'm experiencing i'll have a few emails to and fro and then i'll put the review out there because again that's the experience that i've had the first one is silence i don't hear back the second one is a, pol a polite thank you for the feedback and then i don't hear from it again and the third one's a takedown notice which are dealt with accordingly i haven't actually deleted any uh, videos off youtube so takedown notices don't really hold much water especially when they're not contractually made or produced so Look, there's a huge difference between what I do and what we see in traditional media. Well, the traditional media outlets, the majority of press releases and things we see like that are called reviews are just simply specification sheets, just regurgitated. It's this, this, this. Um, look, I even read a recent review of Zwift where the author hadn't even written Zwift. That's what's out there. And that's just unbelievable. So look, as I said, most tech reviews are based off the marketing material and guesswork. And um, that means it translates doesn't not the actual experience that you may actually have so that's what i focus on the experience sure i go through the specifications the details what's important and all that sort of stuff but it's the experience is the product actually any good and we're led to believe from company x of course their products is good and their brand ambassadors will echo that too because that's their job but i've made it my job to cut out the crap to present the experience and the, the experience that you'll likely have yourself. If you're a Zwifter or an indoor cycling fan or a racing cyclist um, or even a strong enthusiast, um, you know, if you were to buy this new trainer, that new power meter, et cetera. So I'll add my take on things, my expectations, my frustrations, but also my pure excitement and energy when I find something that truly deserves more attention. Case in point, the Garmin Varia radar absolutely nails it. So I do find things that are brilliant and I will talk about them when they are brilliant. Um, now back to the takedowns and the colorful emails. Um, look, for me, that's time better spent on fixing whatever I've poked a hole in because if it's not me talking about these holes and issues and things that I've put up, it'll be someone else doing it. Um, with the internet, it's instant global communication now. So people are more informed than ever and trying to shut down people like me talking about a product, it's the wrong approach. It's not going to work. So for me, it's simple. Make good products. Don't lie. Don't ask your ambassadors to lie and inspire people to buy your products with the truth by making really, really good products. That's it. It's not hard. Well, you say that, and of course, I mean, they are great, you know, that, that is a great kind of code to work by. But, but I mean, is that, do you ever hold back? I mean, do you ever hold back on anything thinking, do you know what, if I say this, it's, it's gonna be damaging. It may be true, but it's gonna be damaging. It may be damaging to the products. It may be damaging to my relationship with the brand. Do you ever, do those thoughts ever cross your mind? Uh, yeah, the way I would describe frustration to my friends and close peers would be in more colorful Australian language. That's probably not suitable for YouTube. Um, but I've also learned, and this is based on feedback from people as well. When I was to say like, this power meter is not accurate, that's, that's not really correct. This power meter is not reading the same 
same as the other one, which has proven to be quite reliable. So it's just the wording and only proving what I can prove. For example, the Vector 3 pedals, which I did a full another 20 minute plus video on the other day with their service announcement and the walkthrough of how to do all that. What I ended up there with was a pedal that was reading a little low. But that was just my set of pedals. I'm not saying all pedals read low for the Vector 3s. It's my, So I've got to be careful with that and present only what I've got access to. So that's pretty much the only way there. And uh, with the recent takedown that I have, again, it was none of the companies mentioned, but I've gone back through my wording and I was pretty happy with that. So it's a skill in not, I guess, stepping in it. <laughs> so to speak. What if they threatened you with lawyers, Shane? Because like, okay, you're a one-man band. I mean, you're really good at what you do, but I'm guessing you probably don't have insurance that would cover you for enormous legal costs if somebody says you've defamed our company and we're going to take you to court for millions of dollars. You know what? 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 You know what? What do you do when they when they when they start throwing lawyers at you? Good question. Um, and no, to be honest, I really haven't thought about that. If somebody wants to do that, um, the risk there was that I just pop up a live stream and talk about that online, and that's not going to help anyone. <laughs> that really isn't. Or if a video happens to disappear. I have to tell people why that video disappeared and that's not good for anyone. I keep things civil and as I said, it's all about the wording and the correct, um, I guess, delivery of exactly the facts. Well, it's like it's like you said, it's what you can prove, isn't it? It's what you can, you know, you've got data that you can prove that X equals Y and hit, look, viewers, this is, this, is, this is how I can prove it to you. I mean, that's a really good point, Nathan, that Shane raises, isn't it? If somebody threatens him, then he'll go online and talk about that threat. And, and you know, in this, in this age of instant communication, a highly informed and engaged audience like Shane's is, you know, brands, they can't afford to, to pull that kind of stunt anymore, can they? I've seen a million times with Shane's content where he'll see a problem, talk about it, and the company gets on it, sends them a new thing and says, that was just that one or a couple of those or we've patched it or whatever it is, and bam, he, he puts out another review right away saying, look, That's this it. is how this it's company works content. and responds yep. well. And Bingo. if somebody follows up and fixes things, they're a good company. You know what I mean? Like people are going to make mistakes. You don't you don't burn them at the stake for one or two mistakes. It's if they're habitual about it and they're just trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. In this day and age, what you're saying there, Simon, we actually have an outlet for information that is a little bit more trustworthy. You know what I mean? As, as long as you can read through the, well, if you can find it, right? It's so much out there <laughs> and there, there's so much out there. But if you can find Agreed. it, so much out there. Well, I think, I, I guess what I was getting at is that we have transparency and visibility. I mean, in the, you know, I, mean, I worked in journalism a long time, and in the, in the old days... <laughs> the old days. No, 50 crazy, episodes. Crazy. 50 the, episodes. You know, in the pre... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all that, all that time ago. In, in, in pre-internet days, all this stuff obviously went on. There was always interchange between reviewers and brands and occasionally lawyers <laughs> and stuff. But it all went on invisibly to the consumer. You know, nobody ever saw that stuff. Nobody ever really talked about it. But now, you know, what, what, what the internet's done is democratised that process as, 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 as it has done to so, so, so many other processes and made it visible. And that, you know, I, that, that can only be a good thing, can't it? Surely. Whilst I have a responsibility to be uh, thoughtful and mindful of uh, a company, um, and you know, I'm knowing that they're watching the videos that I produce on their products, I've got 50,000 subscribers and about 120,000 views a week. They're the people that I'm responsible to for getting correct information to and being truthful. And they will, every single one of those views will pull me up. And they do pull me up on either wording or using a torque wrench the wrong way or missing certain things or even the color of my socks, <laughs> things like that. So whilst the companies have eyes, the world has eyes on what we're doing. It's very, very public. So, absolutely, no, no, no. Well, you know, and that's something I'm acutely aware of. I mean, those hundred and twenty thousand uh, viewers per week are also potentially one hundred and twenty thousand critics, and a lot of them are very sharp-eyed. Yeah, yeah, and that, that that that's the beauty of what we do, and that kind of audience, even with the Zwiftcast here, the listeners, the reach of this podcast is something is just you'd never think of pre-internet to get a tape out to somebody or a cassette or a CD going back now. Um, the reach of this is just phenomenal. So all these things we're dealing with are all brand new things, which is quite exciting. And uh, yeah, that's things we really have to be conscious of.
interesting discussion, I think, particularly, particularly as I say, with, with um, Eurobike coming up. Um, OK, uh, <laughs> and that noise you made just heard, picked up by my mic, literally was an email from Eurobike. How interesting. Uh, I, actually, I get about six of those a day at the moment. Anyway, um, <laughs> we are going to stick with uh, tech for a little while. Um, forgive us, Shane, but um, Bar Australia and elsewhere in the Southern Hemisphere, indeed, it, it is actually the quiet time for Zwift, which is probably a good time, if there's ever a good time, for a vital service to go down. And it is Zwift Power, of which I speak, a third-party site which provides racing results, which is nothing whatever to do with Zwift, the company, must make that clear, but it does depend on a relationship with Long Beach to get access to the data it needs to provide the service. Okay, with me so far. On the last Swiftcast, we said that Zwift Power was not expecting an interruption in service when the new GDPR regulations on data protection came in. You must have heard about those then awful lot of commentary about it. Anyway, that wasn't the way that things panned out and um, Zwift Power went down to everyone, I think pretty much everyone's surprise actually. Um, So when I was at Long Beach, I did a bit of digging in the last couple of weeks and got a little bit of background on this from from some guys at Zwift who were reluctant to go on the record about it actually and and I can understand why because actually at that point it was still pretty much an evolving story. Um, but what, what, what I found out was more or less this, which was all looked fine with a few days to the GDPR deadline, and then Swiss lawyers saw something that they didn't like, and, and the plug on the data got pulled, and that kills with power. Um, nobody expected it, and there is there was an acknowledgement at Swift HQ that you know it's, it's kind of far from ideal, but you can sympathise with the people who made the decision, because if your lawyer says you really shouldn't do that and you go against their advice, that's, you know, it's probably not too smart a move. Anyway, that's where we are now. It is being worked on. And I spoke to Glenn, one of the team that runs with power, who um, he, <laughs> he didn't quite heave a sigh because Glenn's such a friendly guy, but I, I, he's clearly been asked this question an awful lot by uh, by a great many people uh, a million times a day. Anyway, uh, Glenn said, basically, this this is being sorted out. Um, there is now a system which is going to be compliant with the regulations, but it's got to be tested and it's got to go through QA. And, you know, we are, we're not days away from a fix. I think we're probably, probably weeks away from a fix. So that's everything I know um, based on some pretty good inside uh, info from from Long Beach um, and, and and I've got a little bit more to add about the future but first of all I'm just going to bring Shane in because eh, I've been witching on forever but um, but Shane this you know you you you've got specialist knowledge on this and I think with your IT hat on I think actually you've got perhaps more sympathy than the average with the positions with finds itself in um but but you know having said that and the question that everybody in the community is asking is well come on guys you had like two years notice that this was going to happen where where do you stand shane yeah look i'll backpedal a little bit on this and from what you touched on there um from from what i've observed from day zero these third-party sites have built their business well business in quotes uh, off the back of data that was really never theirs they've been sniffing logs reverse engineering web calls hacking their way into the data stream which is now hopefully going to be turned into an api and then republishing that data so they've been collecting data from Zwift and acting on it. So that's that's where GDPR really comes in and no no question at all why it's bitten hard for this. The Zwift terms and services prohibited this from day one. So look, Zwift have given them enough rope to play with early on and these projects were adding value to the community, but that's a risky business. Um, sure, it's a hobby and a labor of love uh, and there's some brilliant projects out there that have come from it. But from Zwift's perspective, these were never services Zwift have offered or, pr- or promoted except for Gold Rush, which is now dead as well. So look, I I do feel from the Zwift side of things with the community getting angry at Zwift when Zwift never provided any of these services, maybe they should have in-house them a little earlier or done the same sort of functionality, Uh, quite possibly. Should they have seen this coming? Yes, but that's my stance on it. So I do feel on the Zwift side of things, um, but from a community side of things, I want my Zwift power back. I want to troll those uh, troll those results. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the yeah, no, that's the thing. I mean, the legalistic and the uh, you know the, the the strictly correct thing. You're absolutely right. This is totally not Zwift's fault. But 
like you say, the community kind of doesn't really care about that. They just say, you know, racing's ruined because uh, because there's no results anymore, and I need somebody. To, I need some. Uh, you know, I need somebody to blame. So I'll blame Swift. You know, but so I do think everybody finds themselves in a in a in a difficult position. Not least of of, of whom is you, Nathan, because um, you know, I mean, racing's well, it's not dead, but it's it's pretty damn uh, pretty damn quiet at the moment. Kiss is doing pretty well. We've got some Zwift Community Live broadcasts going on with The Chop and uh, Jesper and Wes and Johnny are doing some stuff with Australia, obviously with the Australia season, but we have no results. <laughs> like, well, they're at the end of the race, but we don't know anything else otherwise. So, and I think the reality of this racing scene being a thing is like, oh, it was really a thing. I don't know, because there's always been this like, well, it's such a small part of the community, I don't know, but... You know, I, I, I think that that's coming back and saying, well, maybe some people were really involved because of the events that they were a part of that were tracked, you know. And so um, and being able to see that stuff and the outcry, we have seen a lot of people asking a lot of questions about that. Now, I want to come back and say I'm not super sympathetic um, because right now. And this is where it just is very simple. I don't got the IT hat on. I don't have the legalese on or anything. I just know in every other, and me and Shane have had this discussion offline, actually. Um, every other MMO I walk into, there's voluntary information that's given, and it's assumed that it's going into the whole world and everybody can see it, right? Anybody can see my avatar, click on it, and see what it's currently wearing, see what it's named. Whatever it is, you gave voluntary information to a massive multiplayer online space and everybody can see it. Right now, I just logged into the mobile app. I opened to the public on Zwift right now. So what? what's the issue? It's already there and available to a whole bunch of people everywhere in real time at all times. You kind of consent to this just by using the program. It's almost like it's a self-evident truth that in a massive multiplayer online world, you are relaying this information to everybody who's in the massive multiplayer online world. Now, is it that it's leaving the world and going to an outside website? Did you agree upon signing up that it would go to the mobile app and to only the app or something? Like maybe that's what it is? Yeah, no, that's the heart of it. And, and in the end, Nathan, I mean, you, you know, you are right. There is a kind of common sense thing that, okay, I put my heart right out there to the world, but that's not the way the lawyer sees And if you run a company and your lawyer says, if you do that, you're in breach of the regulations and you say, oh, well, stop that for a lark, I'll do it anyway. You know, you're probably not going to last in a job very long. No, I get that 100%. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done this. I'm just confused. It's just confusing is what I'm getting at. That, wait, this is not. This is stuff that's readily available everywhere already. Um, what what What's the problem? So, I, and I don't understand the problem. I totally admit that 100%. I haven't looked any further than the basic argument that I just made. This is already available. Everyone can see it. Why are we having an issue? You know, so that's all. Uh, but yeah, it has shut everything down for us. So obviously there's some frustration um, on the community side where there was a lot of things that we were functioning on. And I think the value of those things, once they're gone, is like, whoa, this is this is something that's super valuable to the community. Then great job of these guys. We need to get this up and running again pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there is a real, you don't know what you've got till it's gone aspect to this. There really is. Um, well, I, I, like I said, I did do a bit digging around and I did, I, I've got about on the future, actually, you know, once Swift Power gets back up and running, which, which it will do reasonably soon. Um, so I asked, I asked my, my friend at uh, Zwift HQ who knows a lot about this kind of stuff, you know, okay, well, where are we going to be in, uh, you know, in the future? And the message was, I was sort of surprised, really. Um, It was basically they're only going to support uh, with with kind of certified data or whatever you want to call it, Um, Zwift Power, um, CVR Frank's Frank's operation, and Zwift GPS. That's it for now, just those three. Um, So I said, well, what about some other stuff in the future? And they said, maybe, but you know what, I probably wouldn't hold your breath on that. Uh, and uh, back to your point, Shane, of an API or a developer platform or whatever you want to call it, you know, again, there was a bit of a, well, it's not a major priority for us right at the minute. Um, we might do something at some time in the future, but I'm not really too sure when that might be or what it might look like. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of enthusiasm, Shane, for 
a position that said we are going to absolutely do this by this point and there's resources allocated to it. Um, surprised? Mm. Don't know. I'll be watching this space very closely, though. But I do know, looking at places like Strava, which do have an established API, they've got whole teams behind that now because you have to. With an API comes a lot of security issues and the lawyers with every change. And yeah, I mean, Strava gone through a lockdown of their API as well because it was too open. So there's just so much overhead with that. And whilst we like to you know, say, yeah, of course we want more functionality, we want more this, we want more that. I think it'd be probably better for Zwift to focus on better experience. So just, you know, more compatibility with trainers, breaking down barriers of making life easier, get, getting on Zwift, um, a few more courses with running, maybe, was it rowing they were talking about? Golf? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that's the that's the point, isn't it? I mean, that's the point. We've just witted on and probably bored everybody to death, um, you know, for the last 10 minutes, because actually it doesn't affect most Swifters, this. And the, even the ones that it does affect, it probably doesn't affect them as much as we think it does. And then you start looking at that, and then you start looking at the things that Swift probably need to be concerned about, which is new courses, you know, new customers, uh, you know, all that real big stuff. Then you can you can you can understand why this slips down the list. The API is more than just what we're thinking of it now. It could be very, very big and very extensible. And again, with that, is more resources put into it. So it's 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 a monster. It would be awesome. It'll take time. It, it's back to that P word. It's back to. It's about to priorities. Anyway, I think we've gone on long enough about this. I really do. We're probably completely bored. You know, what remains of our audience? You're listening to the Zwiftcast. Um, okay, well, uh, that's it, actually. It's kind of time to wrap it up, apart from a few little tiny little bits and pieces. Um, double draft, enhanced draft, which was I- I- included in the most recent update... Um, I've yet to experience this. Shane, have you have you got your head around what this actually is? Have you uh, have you have you experienced enhanced drafting? No, I th- I, th- I thought double draft was a new beer on tap, but no, <laughs> no, no, I, I haven't. Um, if there was an event published that was definitely had the draft or the double draft, I'd jump in and have a look at what it's all about because drafting as a as a real road racing cyclist, it's never been quite there to just hang on the back and then shoot off the. Fr- it's always kind of been a little bit Zwift draft that I've gotten used to, so I'd love to experience it, but no, no first hand yet. Yeah, no, because it's only on certain events, isn't it? But. I'm, you know, I'm just not sure where you find double draft. I'm looking at the events and like I got the race flags and I got the workout symbol. There isn't like a two beers next to each other or anything. Like, <laughs> I don't know where. Like, what's this double draft? <laughs> that should that should so definitely be the symbol for an event with an event with double draft. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm you two are obviously a bit like me, which is like this sounds really intriguing, but. I've no idea where to find it. <laughs> I thought the draft was already too strong. Wasn't that the thing? Shouldn't we, like, in racing at least, and we're wanting to, like, lower it or something? I thought I saw in the release that, like, they were going to toy with it where it was going to be stronger where it needed to be stronger with group rides, but weaker maybe so that the races could be more interesting or something like that? No, no, no. It's definitely a response to what some people in the racing the community blob. are saying. Uh, the blob yeah. and that it's very difficult to break away. And stuff like that, but I mean, the thing is, you know, until you until you experience it, it's, it's, you can't talk about it really because I don't think any of us are quite sure what it is. Uh, well, I'm glad I'm just as much in the dark as you two are. Um, um, but we, were, yeah, if you're listening, HQ, just put a couple of the of, of you know beer glasses next to to the um, to, to the events where we can find this thing, and uh, we'll definitely get on it. Double draft. I like that. Um, okay, well, that's it, really, then, apart from that. Um, I, I noticed um, the tweaks were made to the Alp de Zwift PB thing. Uh, I'm sure not in response to us moaning about it on the last Zwiftcast. I'm sure that was always planned anyway, but that's um, that looks to have been covered. I, don't, I think it's still not quite the finished article when I saw it, but it looks to have advanced a bit. When I saw it, I thought they were thinking of me. <laughs> I'm going to, I was going up and I was like, oh, they did that. Thank you. That was. <laughs> I'm sure they're always thinking of you, Nathan. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I, I mean, of course, when you're doing it, you're like, 
in the middle of suffering and like, oh, that's so nice. That's that's different now because you're already suffering so bad. You don't want something that where you're thinking any more than you need to. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, quite right. So, Shane, what are you up to apart from taking uh, lovely pictures, which I saw this morning of, of midwinter Australia? Uh, nothing that I can talk about until after Eurobike, if that's oh, 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 uh, you something to talk about. Um, yeah, look, I'm flying out. Just uh, It's hectic. It is super hectic. You'll get a little preview of things on my Instagram um, and a few things on YouTube. But uh, yeah, all the good stuff, all the really good stuff is over at Eurobike. So looking forward to that. Teasy, 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 teasy. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to Europe back. I, uh, I need to book my travel, which I've not yet done. I'm, I'm going to do it straight after this after this podcast. Oh, if you haven't booked, you know, oh wow! No, okay, no, no. I've got a hotel. Yeah. I've got. I booked the okay, hotel. I was going to say, like, bring it no, 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 I booked the hotel like nine months ago. I've just not, <laughs> not quite worked out how I'm getting there, or more importantly, getting back actually, because I need to duck out early because it's my daughter's graduation, which I absolutely have to be at. Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure podcasting is not involved in the de- I'm not interested in the uh, finer details of my travel plans. Nathan, what are you up to? All hands on deck coming pretty soon. Uh, I think next week we start up with some of uh, the Gera content coming back to ZCL. I think we got a couple new guests. Uh, some exciting stuff happening there. Everything, I've been getting some messages like, what's going on with the you know coverage for North America, UK? So... Uh, definitely on its way, really ramping up right now, actually, for that. So that's exciting. Excellent. Okay, boys, well, thank you very much. Um, thank you for this one. Thank you for the first 50. Should we do another 50? Of course. I mean, say we do an average of two a month, it'll take, yeah, it's kind of two years, isn't it? Well, you've just signed up for two years, boys. Thanks very much indeed for that. You'll be hearing from my uh, my business affairs people forthwith. Thank you very much indeed, and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. See you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Hit a hundred. Which episode gets the wheels? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to the 50th episode of the Zwiftcast. And just the usual reminder, while Swift generously support the podcast, they have no influence over the content of it. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.